Hello and welcome to the First and Ten Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Feltz, here in Columbus, Ohio, on the campus of the Ohio State University. That's right, I'm here in Columbus. IU and Ohio State kicking off tomorrow in the Horseshoe, my first game in that stadium. Been once before for a graduation, but this time we're seeing some football there. I can't wait. I'm here, of course, to be joined, as always, this time in person for one of those rare in-person First and Ten episodes by my co-host, Reed Murray. Reed, what's going on? Hey, Patrick. Yeah, second in-person first and ten of the year. We did one back uh, the week Ohio State played Wisconsin and the first first and ten bowl of the year, or I guess the only first and ten bowl of the year. They only play once a year. But, yeah. It's, yeah, until until divisions are demolished and Indiana football can rise again. Yeah, but always an exciting time <laughs> when the first and ten bowl takes place. And also joining me, a fellow student at The Ohio State University. That's right. Somebody I would like to say has the best voice in Columbus. He has a golden voice, one of the you best in the country. Him, you can hear him on Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio or Big Ten Plus. It's Tyler Danberg. Tyler, welcome to the show. Guys, I'm excited to be on. Thanks for having me. Of course, yeah. Tyler is going to be calling this game tomorrow in the press box in the shoe. Somewhere in the vicinity of myself, I'm sure I'll see him at halftime. Or whenever. Do you guys do a halftime show too? We do do a halftime show, but we'll, we'll see you up in the press Send box. Send it to the studio. Fantastic. Yeah, that's what I've been told is is the greatest uh, press box food here um, in the horseshoe is the Frappuccino machine. That's awesome. I'm very excited for it. I, uh, <laughs> I'm counting the seconds. You know, it can be tiring after a game, getting back up to the press box, writing your story. Um, that'll certainly give me the kick I can use. And I'll try and sneak one out of the box for Reed. If I catch him in his dorm after the game, definitely <laughs> could be on the table. See how many of those I can carry in my hands. And maybe, do, do they have those cup carousel things? Can I grab like four of them, like a real McDonald's? See, now that that seems logical, right? Right. I, I don't think they have those. Now, are That's you, a shame. Are you staying with Reed or are you staying separate? Right? I'm staying with Reed, uh, crashing, you know, a little cheaper than getting a hotel on a game day weekend here in Columbus. So, yeah, nice to you know stay with a buddy, and he does the same when the Buckeyes are in Bloomington or when we have to get to Indianapolis for other stuff because potentially the Buckeyes could be in Indianapolis at the end of the season. I know knock some of us on, on the on some, some of right us now. on this show like to knock on wood when we say things like that, but who knows what's going to happen? I know Reed will certainly be back in Bloomington for the basketball game between these two teams in January. Only time they're playing this season, January twenty eighth, a night game on a Saturday in Assembly Hall. Should be a fun one, but that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about some football. A lot to watch for across the Big Ten this week. Tyler, you're our guest today. We're going to give you first dibs. What are you watching for in the Big Ten? I'm watching for the third spot in the Big Ten East that's up for grabs. And whether that has implications on the conference division, the Big Ten East, well, that's that's out of my control. But Maryland-Penn State, sneaky good game. I'm watching for that. Penn State head coach James Franklin, Maryland head coach Mike Loxley, they coached together at Maryland in the early 2000s, and there's always been a little bit of those tensions, a little bit of mm-hmm. rivalry brewing between the two, although Maryland has only won three times in the all-time series, so maybe with Raheem Jarrett, their wide receiver, hopefully coming back, maybe the Terps can pull a fast one on the Nittany Lions. Yeah, most recently, Maryland won that game in 2020. I believe that's the only time they've won it since the Terps joined the Big Ten back in 2014. But looking at this game, I think there are some serious implications for bowl, not bowl eligibility, but for bowl placement. When you look at this, right, this time of year, we start to have to think about, okay, how are the bowls going to shake out? You can get a good feel for that. This is going to determine the difference between, I don't know, a guaranteed rate bowl and potentially a citrus bowl. And that doesn't sound like much, but it is. And it definitely matters to those players to try and get that extra echelon of a game, get a 
nicer vacation, a better opponent, a little bit more publicity. It matters. So definitely something to keep an eye on there. And as you mentioned, Tyler, a lot of bad blood between these teams. They don't like each other one bit. Yeah, not at all. And I do remember speaking of, you know, bowl placement where Kim Jarrett in the offseason was saying one of the team's biggest goals was just get to a better bowl game than they were in last season. Of course, the pinstripe bowl, they blew out Virginia Tech, and that was a really impressive win mm-hmm. for them. But they don't want to end up in Yankee Stadium once again. So uh, this definitely is an important one for the Terps. Absolutely. Tough schedule to finish out the season for Maryland. Still got to play Ohio State as well. Tyler, any more thoughts on this Terp team? I think that's it. Now, actually, he did say that this is not a rivalry, although intentions that you guys have talked about, they've been present. But, again, that all goes out the window when these two teams play on Saturday. A lot of Marylanders go across the border for Penn State for school. Uh, a lot of cultural implications in this rivalry, too. Uh, definitely some bad blood, some tensions brewing. Should be a fun one regardless. I'm excited for this one. Reed, I'm going to give you the next choice, too. What's your thing you're watching for this week in the Big Ten? I'm watching for whether or not C.J. Stroud's going to run the ball because he has been known throughout his Ohio State career as a quarterback who likes to pass a lot more than he likes to run. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, last week picked up 79 yards on the ground, most in a single game in his Ohio State career, and he, he also had six carries. I believe that's the highest number of carries he's had in a single game as a Buckeye. Um, and following the game and in midweek um, media availability, he was talking about how really – it might surprise some fans, but he runs the ball in practice all the time, and he's accustomed to running it. Uh, it just hasn't really seen the field very often. So I'm interested in seeing Will Stroud running the ball become a consistent part of his game that potentially we'll see against Indiana, potentially see later down the road, or was it really more reliant on the weather uh, in Evanston than anything else? I think it could be the first thing. The weather definitely played a factor in Stroud running the ball a lot more, but I do think you're right, Reed, because it, it could be an ace up the sleeve type of attribute for C.J. Stroud when Ohio State's schedule starts to really go into that gauntlet of Michigan, even Maryland and Indiana, we're going to give them justice, but Michigan, possible Big Ten championship, postseason, and so on, that is something that just makes Stroud even more dangerous, and that makes the offense a little bit more dangerous because you're adding another dimension to that offense, which is a quarterback running the ball. Absolutely, and Patrick, you and I talked about this on the recap last week, how you know, whether or not he runs it, just the fact that now it's something that defenses have to respect. You have to count for it. It's like a, in basketball, when a guy has a shot, you can't leave him open. A three-point shooter, you can't leave him open ever. Even if he isn't shooting it well, the idea of him potentially shooting it, you got, you got to guard it. So when Ohio State runs an option play, you have to have a guy spying on the quarterback, whereas for every other game the rest of the season, you didn't have to do that because you know CJ wasn't going to tuck it and run. And even against Northwestern, you could see that their linebackers weren't ready for that. They weren't looking for it. And I think that's part of the reason he ran it so well. The defense just was not expecting it because why would they, to be quite honest? But that happened, and that was a thing that they had to deal with. And I think it's going to be a consistent thing going forward, at least watching the linebackers, seeing it in their eyes when they follow a guy on an option play. They know it's not going to Henderson every time. It's not going to Smith and Jigba or whoever the receiver is on the other end of that every time or screen pass, whatever. They have to be ready for the quarterback to run. And it's funny, with with the way Stroud has progressed as a runner, his very first appearance in Ohio State uniform, I believe, what number was he wearing that season, Reed? 14. Yeah, he was 14. 14, yeah. So it's not the seven we're used to. He was double the number. But, uh, you know, Stroud in number 14 as a true freshman in 2020 against Michigan State, he took one to the house. He just busted loose and ran it all the way from, 
maybe it's 60 yards out. It was a really impressive play, and it kind of put it in my head when he took over as the starter last season. Like, okay, maybe this guy can run a little bit. That seems like an interesting dimension. They did it with Fields, and then he just didn't do it until last week ever, and here we are now. But I think that was an interesting bit you, you heard from Stroud in media availability this week, Reed, that he's been doing this in practice, but where has this been on the field? Nobody's seen it once right. until in, now. In addition to opening up running plays as well, it, it also means that it could open up the passing game even more because Absolutely. now defenses have to account for him mm-hmm. scrambling. He said at that media availability that about half of the plays where he ran were designed runs and half were him improvising and just reading the field and making the best decisions. And that's a great split. I think so, that's what you want. Absolutely. So now, even in pass plays, he could see even more open receivers because the defenses, especially the linebackers, do have to account for that. So definitely lots of potential, and I am interested to see how often Stroud will be tucking it and running it against Indiana. Definitely something to watch for there. Reed, I like that. He talked with C.J. Stroud a little bit this week in media availability. It's always fun to mention that, hype you up a little bit. Pretty cool if you ask me. All right, my thing to watch for, it's got to be the battle for the Big Ten West. Really a spot in Indianapolis is on the line here, barring a collapse from either of Illinois or Purdue. And that's the game we're talking about here. Illinois and Purdue, these two teams going at it. And really an unexpected battle for the West. And I think this is a new position for both of these teams. What I'm watching for in particular here, we'll talk about the game itself later down the line. But what I'm watching for is is nerves. And I'm watching for how ready these teams are. Because whichever team comes in with a better mindset, is better prepared, and is better coached, I think is going to win this game. And what I'm, what I'm really curious to see with this is, with a pair of teams who've never been here before, how does this play not just right now, but how does this play down the line? Because a win in this can really be program-changing in a Big Ten West that feels wide open. Absolutely, because these two teams, they haven't really been in this type of setting, especially with the, in the conference championship era. Mm-hmm. That's something that Illinois and Purdue, they haven't really been able to do. And not only that, Patrick, but they're coming off of gut-wrenching losses. That too. Two varying degrees of terrible performances from both of these teams. And on two different ends of the spectrum. Totally. Illinois, they had that 7-0 lead, and then they ended up giving up 23 unanswered points. And then you go to the other side, and Purdue just got beat on both ends of the They were taken behind the woodshed and shot. Five billion times in the head by by Iowa. That was one of the worst performances I've seen from a football team at any level all year. Holy cow, that was terrible. Like I, I don't even know what you say about that if you're Purdue. With that being said, I think Purdue can be really competitive in this game. I think both these teams are. This feels like the kind of thing where you go into that locker room first day of practice this week. You're Jeff Brom and you say this is a new, this isn't just a new week. This is our season right here. You have everything to play for. If you can't get up for this game, what game can you get up for? Everything's on the line here for Purdue. I think not only for this season, for a chance to go play an hour down the road in Indianapolis against the winner of Ohio State-Michigan, um, but really I think this is it for the Jeff Brom era. Maybe not fired it, but like I can't see it getting much better than a Big Ten championship game appearance if you're Purdue football. Those things don't grow on trees. They haven't for a very long time. Purdue went to a Rose Bowl about 20 years ago and Hasn't done a whole lot since. Music City Bowl last year is, you know, what it is. That was a great game. But for for this Purdue team, in the post-East and West era, once UCLA and USC join, the road to the Big Ten Championship becomes a lot less clear. Because the Big Ten West, Big Ten East imbalance is a real thing. So if you're Purdue, this is really your last chance to get to a Big Ten Championship game, barring, barring an unbelievable, spectacular, once-in-a-lifetime season. 
for a really long time, if you ask me. Well, I mean, they still have next year, of course, before. And this, this also but, applies to Illinois, by the way. Right, I, I but, should should add. But, but I think it's more relevant for Purdue because uh-huh. Purdue, Illinois was never really thought of uh, as a team who could go to the Big Ten Championship where every now and, and here they are. Say maybe Purdue. But, you know, I, I do think also, yeah, in addition to this being one of the last chances to make it to this game, uh, you know, under the current circumstances, in addition to just the East-West divide, there's not – there are very few divisions – easier to win than this year's Big Ten West. This Absolutely. Is, <laughs> it's it's an absolute layup just begging for somebody to take it, and it seems like nobody really wants it. So Who, I think who wants is, it less, Reed? Yeah, if, if Purdue doesn't get it now, yeah, the real question is when will they get it? Ever. Um, and and yeah, that's a tough one to answer. People are starting to get a little bit tired of Jeff Brom, I think, at least after last week. There was certainly some, some sex of the Purdue fandom that were really feeling like, okay, we, we've got to stop having these embarrassing losses every once in a while. Purdue has been such a Jekyll and Hyde team for the past four years. I mean, you look at Brahms' first full season, not full, but he coached in 2017, but his first real, you know, big season on the job after, a, I guess, a half recruiting year. His full, first full calendar year on the job. I don't know why I'm talking myself in circles here. 2018 season, they lost to Eastern Michigan, but they beat Ohio State. That's the biggest Purdue football thing ever. You know, occasionally they're going to win incredible games, and occasionally they're going to lose stupid games. Both are going to happen, and I think people are getting a little bit sick of that. And you can make the same argument for Illinois because Mm -hmm. we're at the point where they're still reminiscing, Illinois fans are, about the 2005 season with Juice Williams. Yeah, the entire fighting Illini. Rose Bowl team. Came into the shoe, beat Ohio State, went to the Rose Bowl, lost to USC. Yeah. Threw for like over 500 yards against Michigan in the big house Mm -hmm. as well. So they're in the same boat where they're looking to try and recreate some of that success going into the postseason and it looks like they might have it with their guy and Brett Bielema. I think so too and, and that, that's the difference for me right now is just feeling the temperature on these two coaches. Well the programs right now are pretty much an even standing, certainly are in the Big Ten West. This game is going to decide everything in that division barring again an incredible collapse from one of these two teams. I don't see Purdue losing to Indiana. I do not see especially Illinois losing to Northwestern. It would take that to keep them from winning a division. But what I do see right now is two teams in the same spot, but with different feels for it. For Illinois, this is a shock, and this is great, and it's all roses right now. And for Purdue, they're in this spot, but it's like, okay, this really shouldn't be happening. This team is better than this. And I think this game is going to tell us a lot about where these two coaches stand, where these two programs stand. I agree. All right, moving on from that, that's what we've got to watch for this week. Definitely an interesting week in the Big Ten. A lot to keep an eye on across the whole conference. Moving on to our uniform matchups of the week. We've all got different selections for this, believe it or not. Um, And I'll start with mine. I'll be quick. I've got Indiana and Ohio State, the noon kick that we will all be in attendance for tomorrow afternoon here in Columbus. I'm assuming Indiana's going to wear the throwback uniforms. I love those. I think they're beautiful. Um, It's the only uniform they have that goes with the new helmets they're wearing with the black face mask and the black stripe down the middle because these ones have black piping and the other uniforms that they wore I think starting in 2017 or 18 I think 18 was the first season of these um don't have any piping on them that matches the helmet it looks funny I don't like it so yeah if they wear that fantastic I don't have to say enough good things about Ohio State's uniform they're traditional they're classic time-honored tradition what do you even have to say about them read what's your pick I'm going to say Michigan State Rutgers. I think this is more of a helmet-related uniform matchup of the week than the regular uniform. I mean, I like 
there is something about the Michigan State green versus the Rutgers red that feels right to me, and I do kind of like seeing those teams clash with one another. Getting close to Christmas, Reed. But yeah, absolutely. But uh, in particular, <laughs> this week, Michigan State's rolling out a really unique helmet. It's uh, on one side the, the two decals that they're both the Sparty mascot. On one side, Sparty is carrying a United States flag, and on the other side, he's carrying a Michigan State flag. Uh, it's of course um, for the holiday, you know, celebrating our troops. But I think this is fascinating. First of all, I do like having the slight difference on each side of the helmet. I love uh, involving the, the American flag with that mascot logo. I think it's a fascinating move from a design perspective. And I think Rutgers as well, um, their, their design is a little bit more straightforward, and I believe they wore it last week against Michigan. It's the white helmet with the uh, American flag inside the Rutgers R decal. Um, that's a nice one, but it's, it's really the Michigan State one that, that stands out to me here. I love this helmet, and I think it's going to be a fun thing to see on the field. Tyler, what you got? So in the Big Ten, I'll stick with Reed's theme of helmets. Iowa, they'll have their typical black helmets with the Hawkeye logo, but instead of the gold trim that's in the logo, it's going to be an American flag, which nice. they always do. Mm -hmm. That's a cool little touch. I like and it too. And then going outside the Big Ten, because I feel like we definitely have to address it, and we were talking about it oh, yeah. before we recorded the show, it's Western Kentucky playing Rice, Nice little game we got going on down south. And Western Kentucky, they got the black helmets with the red face masks. But instead of that WKU flag, they've got everybody's favorite red blob. Big Red, their mascot. <laughs> I mean, we were talking about that. Just such a cool logo and really cool uniform concept as well. I love it. I wish they would wear it every week. Put him on everything. He's the best. I watched Indiana and Western Kentucky with him on the sidelines not too long ago. Um, I wish I got a picture. That's all I can say. How can you not love this mascot? He's hilarious. Yeah. Easily one of my favorite in the whole country. And, of course, the, the red visor with the, the big red eyes. Awesome. Front, that's, that's so <laughs> wacky, and, and you don't see that every it's day. It's shocking and wacky. It is shocking and wacky, but it's amazing. And, uh, <laughs> you never, I, I feel like that's something teams should explore more, the visors. There's a, I feel like there's a, a lot of room for their potential there. Would you wear a Brutus visor in your helmet, Reed? Ah. Uh, Maybe I think um, I think if there were, if there were to be a Brutus visor, I would want to see that in a game against maybe Youngstown State or a MAC opponent for Ohio State. I wouldn't want to see that in a conference play. You know, conference play right that, you know, has many implications. But I think it's a fun thing that generally I feel like teams who have maybe a wildcat or a tiger mascot could make some really menacing looks with that. Well, Reed, you and, were you you were talking to Ryan Day at media availability this week for Ohio State, and you asked him a great question about uniforms. And Coach Day said that he likes the traditional aspect and maybe an alternative uniform here and there, but he likes the tradition. Now, what do you guys like? Do because you, you guys are uniform guys, yeah. obviously. So do you He's like? These are visuals. Do you like the throwbacks? Do you like the alternates, or do you like to keep it traditional? I like a little bit of all three. I think if you have a mix of these three things and you use them all equally, that's a great uniform set right there. If you have a consistent throwback or throwbacks you rotate every couple of years, plus a, a modern set that looks really good and just as clean, doesn't do anything too crazy, and then occasionally pull out an alternate. Uh, and the alternates have to be good because I know some college football teams like to make terrible alternate uniforms, like it's their job, but... Some make great ones, and uh, I think if you can mix all three together, that's that's a recipe for a great uniform set right there. What I'll say, I think the way Ohio State currently does it is that should be the standard for how alternate uniforms are. How often are do they done. wear throwbacks? Well, well, this is 
I think I think they should bring in more throwbacks, but they can't really do throwbacks because they look the exact same. Well, That's this is the issue. Something, this is something yeah. Kevin Reese, the uh, director of football equipment services at Ohio State, told me that they've looked into doing throwback uniforms, but they've already the the few uniforms the differences would be State's minimal. Past yeah, that do look different. They've already been done. Ohio uh-huh. State's worn four different throwback uniforms uh, in in history. There's not really much more to explore, but I think the way Ohio State did it in the early 2010s, they would have their Nike Pro Combat uniform with a chrome helmet and. They would kind of bring it out at various random points. It was hard to tell exactly when the uniform was going to be worn. A little bit of unpredictability. I think in the modern era of Ohio State, you can pretty well, or you can pretty accurately predict what uniform Ohio State's going to wear in any given game because in most cases it'll be the classic uniform, and you can kind of infer in a conference home night game it'll be the black. Okay, there's the black jersey. And, yeah, there you, you know, go. Other than that, and then of course in the playoff they'll, they'll wear that playoff throwback, but it's pretty easy to tell. What uniform Ohio State's going to wear? You, you know, there's not many surprises in store, and you know they stick to tradition, but they, they can make it fun with the black jersey. Um, I think, you know, having an alternate that still looks familiar to the fan base is a great way of going about it. So I, I really like the way Ohio State does it. And as much as I love to see a little you know fun uniform reveal for a team like Illinois who maybe switches up the combination every now and then, I think. Having a look of you know exactly what helmet, mm-hmm. jersey, and pants your team's going to wear on a given Saturday. I kind of like that aspect. I get that too. All right. I love the uniform talk. It's always something we love to do here on the first and ten. Feels like I'm back on the RJM visuals, <laughs> RJM podcast. We gotta, maybe we'll bring that back one day. Let's do it. Uh, you say the word and I'm there, brother. All right. We're going to get back to you all after a quick break. Talk about our games of the week and our score predictions. Stay tuned here on the first and ten after a short break. Back here on the first and ten, ready to get into our preview for the rest of the week. Game predictions, games of the week, all that good stuff. But first, we're going to hit on our Sickos game of the week, the worst game of the Big Ten this week. I think it's got to be Rutgers-Michigan State. You know, these two teams have both struggled throughout Big Ten play so far. Obviously, Michigan State picked up a really impressive win against Illinois last week. But this is still the same Michigan State team that, you know, jumped a guy in the tunnel at Michigan. And other than that, has been let down week in and week out and Rutgers is Rutgers I don't think much more needs to be said about them this is a bad game it's not worth watching but if you watch it well it's worth watching for the helmets it's worth watching for the helmets yes true great helmet matchup but if you're not into helmets then (laughs) I I can't do much for you here I wonder what the attendance is going to be like at Spartan Stadium you got a noon game there's not really much to play for bad weather still bowl eligibility because after that big win big win against Illinois that did change that changed the complexion of their season they're not good but they can still get to a bowl six wins is six wins with a bad team it seemed like going into that game they said okay we have to we can only lose we can only afford to lose one game we have Ranked Illinois, ranked Penn State, we're screwed. Now they've beaten ranked Illinois, mm-hmm. and they now just have to beat Rutgers and Maryland, right, to get bowl eligibility. That's it. And so you know, still a tall task. Maryland's not to, Maryland's not a pushover, but it's I wouldn't it's call Rutgers a pushover, but it's something to play for. And it's and attainable. It, so it absolutely is attainable. I would call it a fifty-fifty-ish, maybe not fifty-fifty, probably fifty-five forty-five in favor of Maryland that game. But Michigan State's bowl hopes are absolutely still alive. And maybe Rutgers, they all of a sudden. After that first half against Michigan, they might have a little bit of confidence saying, hey, yeah. we can play teams tight, especially top five teams in the country. Now, the second half, a little bit of a If games story. were 30 minutes long, Rutgers would be on cloud nine right oh, now. Oh, absolutely. It'd be awesome. And there's always <laughs> one of those games where they put it together for the entire four quarters, mm-hmm. so maybe this is that one. And, I mean, with Rutgers, they have five losses. Their remaining schedules, Michigan State, Penn State, and Maryland. Let's pencil in a Penn State loss there. 
but Rutgers can also beat Michigan State and Maryland. So this is really Absolutely. for a bad game. This is, this just means we have a great week. That's true, yeah, because yeah, a, a little fight for you know it's not a fight for ball eligibility because both either team can win and still not make it, but it's a fight to stay alive. It's a relegation scrap, if you will. This is the kind of game where you won't tune in, but maybe you'll see if, if it's late in the fourth quarter, especially if the other game. You'll flip on, on commercial. There you go. You're yeah. watching like it could be a close outcome at the end. Yes, an exciting. One absolutely. The final minutes. So even in a game where there's not much to watch for. There's stuff to watch for. This is a really great week of football. I'm, I'm very excited for it. So good Big, Ten, good Big Ten slate we got. And our game of the week, of course, is Purdue and Illinois, as I talked about earlier ad nauseum about this game. We've got a lot to say about what the stakes are for both these teams already, but looking at it from a football perspective and getting to our score predictions here, I think this one could go either way. I, I think both teams have a point to prove this week, and whatever they've got left in the tank, they're emptying it this week. They're really going all out because if you don't, there goes your season. This is a really all-or-nothing game for both of these teams. And the more I look at it, I go back and forth on it. Um, I feel like Illinois got their bad loss out last week. I've got Illinois this week 21-17. to I don't think either team's going to score a lot. If, if it gets into a higher-scoring battle, if Purdue can put up north of like 24 points, I think Purdue is going to win this game. But the Illinois defense, man, as much as their offense struggles, I think their defense is legit. And I can see Illinois... Scoring on a short field or two, I can, I can see a couple Purdue turnovers making a difference here. I don't trust their offense a ton. Obviously, they can put up points in a hurry when they need to. But the last couple of weeks, we, we've seen Purdue really struggle on the offensive side of the football in terms of playing a complete, fine-tuned game. And they've made a lot of mistakes. And Aiden O'Connell, who's a quarterback I like, has really struggled. I think Purdue improves this week. I think they show out and play some decent football. But at the end of the day, I think Illinois' defense is just too talented to keep them from winning this game. Now, when you say Illinois might have gotten its bad loss out of the way, I think on one hand, maybe. But on the other hand, I think Illinois might have more than one bad loss in them. So, uh, I don't know about that angle. But what I will say, a Purdue offense that's been struggling, that you know we believed in earlier in the year and now has kind of fallen off a little bit. And Aiden O'Connell, like you mentioned, not quite the quarterback that we had built him up to be. Um, you know, him coming in to, to, to play against a really talented Illinois defense mm-hmm. – I don't like either team to put up a lot of points here. I think Illinois edges out Purdue by a slim margin. I'm saying Illinois 17, Purdue 13. This could be a real low-scoring Big Ten West-esque game. Uh, But I think Illinois comes away with it. I think Illinois is probably the slightly better team, but I I think really it's going to be the defense that wins it. Illinois is a much better defensive team than Purdue, and Mm -hmm. I think... If you want to win the Big Ten West, you got to have strong defense, and I think especially in a game like this, you got to have strong defense. And as much as I am a firm believer in good offenses beat good defenses, uh, I, I think this is I think this is one where the defense overrides the offensive power or lack thereof. A great defense beats an okay offense, or a good offense at its best, but at its worst, an offense that can struggle. I'm with you there, Reed. Tyler, what do you think? Well, this is probably the most exciting Big Ten West versus Big Ten West matchup in the last couple of years that hasn't featured Wisconsin and Iowa. So I'm really looking forward to this one. Purdue, after Ohio State's performance last week in the rain and the wind, they now have the highest passing offense in the Big Ten by eight yards, which I don't think a lot of people had really thought about until right around now, week 10, week 11. But I still think that this game is, like you guys were talking about, it's going to be one that's won at the line of scrimmage. I think it could be a Chase Brown legacy game. He's been great all season long. Mm-hmm. Maybe one of the best seasons by a running back in Illinois school history, without a doubt. But 
this is going to be a legacy game for him, and I think it's going to be one at the line of scrimmage and on the ground. I'll have Illinois 24, Purdue 20. Definitely going to be a good one in Champaign. It's game of the week for a reason. Absolutely must-watch television if you can find yourself in front of a TV. Getting into the rest of the scores for the rest of the week, we'll start in the noon slate. Big noon on Fox. The game will be at Indiana and Ohio State. Last time these two teams met in Columbus, the Hoosiers nearly pulled off an upset of enormous magnitude. Ohio State won 45-38. Indiana had the ball late with a chance to tie. Could not push down the field. The Hoosiers lost their first game of the season back in 2020. Last season, these teams met. It, it was not that close. <laughs> it was bad. Uh, a lot has changed since 2020, the last time these two teams met in Columbus. Obviously, fans are back in the stands, but I think as a parent is that Indiana went from being really good to being really terrible just like that. And I think that trend holds up this week. I've got Ohio State 45, Indiana 7. I think the Buckeyes bounce back on offense this week after a lackluster performance against Northwestern. Yeah, this one I'm going to say 52-10, but I'm not going to explain my pick. I'm going to let Tyler do the talking because, Tyler, you – kind of convinced me beforehand and made me change my pick a little bit because I liked what you had to say. So, Tyler, I'll let you go ahead and explain uh, what, how, how you see this game playing out. How did I explain that? <laughs> <laughs> I remember what he said. It was, it was pretty poignant. Oh, yeah. He oh, talked yeah. about this. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're talking about the weather. <laughs> oh, you're fine. I think it's funny. Oh, okay. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. All right. So, as we were talking about before, you had a little bit of concern, Reed, about the weather because there is some chance of snow in the forecast. Ohio State last week proving that it could be a little bit more sloppier of a game on both sides of the ball when the weather plays a factor. But if you go back last year, 2021 when I think 16th ranked Purdue came to Columbus it was snowy it was chilly it was cloudy it's going to be the same this weekend so Ohio State despite the weather they threw the ball they ran it down Purdue's throats and they found a way to cruise to a huge victory so Again, that, that might be the convincing that you need to extend the margin of your game prediction. Yeah, I think this one, you know, first of all, I do remember Garrett Wilson had a, a particularly good game. Yes, he did. Last year. I remember that, that too. Matchup. Uh, I was excited for the receivers in that one. Garrett Wilson, David Bell, and Purdue just did really nothing on offense that day. Yeah, but that, that was a big day for number five in Scarlet. But I think also last year's Indiana game is something to consider because that game was also, it wasn't quite as cold. Because uh, it was early in the season, but it was rainy in that game. Ohio State did exactly what it needed to do on offense. So originally, I was thinking maybe Ohio State won't get on the board as much uh, uh, tomorrow. But I think you know, looking at the way Ohio State has played in rainy games, I think really the wind played more of a factor than the rain against Northwestern. So I'm with you, Tyler. I'm saying Ohio State does get on the board a lot. I'm going to go Ohio State 52, Indiana 10. And we knew Tyler had a great explanation in there. He couldn't even remember it. And then he comes up with it finally. We told you he had a great one. I love that thought process. I think, yeah, last year's results really can, you know, just the way these two teams are trending, maybe not Indiana, but uh, if anything, that should give you reason to pick Ohio State by even more because last year's Purdue team is a whole heck of a lot better than the 2022 Indiana football Hoosiers who haven't won a game since September. And uh, I'm not sure they'll win one for the rest of the season. And there are going to be a lot of questions about this IU team going into the offseason about what's next. Obviously, the buyout for Tom Allen, north of $24 million. 
it's an absurd figure. He's not going to get fired, all things considered. But there's a lot that needs to change for this program. And uh, if it didn't happen last week in that performance against Penn State when everybody kind of realized, okay, this isn't just bad. This is bad, bad. When you had just freshmen running on you for about three or four touchdowns, I think forget the exact number Katron Allen had. But really, this is going to be a blowout of biblical proportions. It's going to be ugly. 45-7 isn't even being probably too generous enough to Ohio State. I think I'm being a little nice to my hometown Hoosiers. And assuming Ohio State puts in the backups and puts up the white flag at some point. But Don't hold part of me, but what I was going to say is the other part of me says, okay, Ryan Day is pissed and wants to make a statement after last week. So I could see it going even further than 45-7. I think this could be an all-timer of a blowout just – the kind of thing that you don't recover from as a program. And I think Indiana's had a number of losses like that this season where it's really not just been an embarrassing defeat, but one that will rip the soul out of you and, and kind of make you think twice about why you even watch these games. It's 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 been that kind of season. Um, basketball started. That's fun. Um, <laughs> all right, rest of the games this week. We've got another nooner. It's Rutgers. It's Michigan State. We talked about this one briefly, but – Guys, I, I think there is a lot to play for here. With that being said, I don't think it's going to be pretty. I think it's going to be ugly. I think it's going to be sloppy. You can get a ticket to this thing for 10 bucks. By the way, you can get into Illinois-Purdue for 7 bucks somehow. That's that's the deal of a century right there. If you want to go watch a great football game, 7 bucks right there. That's, that's, that's like a, a meal at McDonald's. That's also, awesome. That, that game being on ESPN2 is a little bit disappointing. That is. Well, that should have been big noon, I think. And I know they want the Ohio State TV audience, but... It feels like a disservice to the fans because that really does deserve to be a national TV game. Anyway, Rutgers-Michigan State, I think this is a bit of a rock fight. I don't think either of these offenses can get much done. I've got Michigan State pulling this one out 13-10. to 10. I, I like where you're going with that low score. I think Michigan State's still able to get on the board a little bit more. I'm going to go Sparty 28-10. I was going to go 28-17 Sparty, so we're, we're thinking on the same track, Reed. I still think Rutgers, they'll score a couple points, they'll get some scores and get on the board, but I still feel like they don't have that offensive identity yet. And, and part of that's due to the quarterback position because there's been so much up in the air with Evan Simon, Noah Vedrill. There's just so many An absolute parts. rotating door there. It's a carousel. So Michigan State, in the long run, consistency is key, and I have the Spartans by 11. All right, we've got Michigan State there. All across the board. Getting into the 3.30 games. No night games this week. The first night game in November I can remember almost ever in the Big Ten last week was Michigan and Rutgers. Wolverines are at 3.30 on ABC this week. Taking on the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Again, this feels like one Michigan should take care of business in, no doubt about it. I've got Nebraska falling 17-38 Fetty Wap score to Michigan. Don't think this is much of a contest. I think... Michigan kind of calls off the dogs late, and Nebraska gets a garbage time touchdown. Give me the Wolverines, 48-14. Not much to say here. Michigan's just flat out better. They'll dominate. And at home, too. Absolutely. I'll take Michigan, 42, Nebraska, 10. 42-10. to 10. All right, Michigan across the board there. No big surprise. Next one, a chippy one, a not a rivalry, if you ask Mike Loxley. Maryland, Penn State, 330 in Happy Valley. I think this is going to be a good game. I don't think Maryland has been great the last few weeks, and I think it's a little bit of, you know, things are things are finally coming back down to earth for them after a 6-2 and two start. However, I like them to be competitive here for three quarters. 
And then in the fourth, I, I could see it being like 17-14 Penn State going into the fourth, something like that. And then in the fourth quarter, the wheels fall off. Penn State wins this. I've got 31-14 to 14 Penn State as my pick, Reed. I don't think this one's going to be really that good of a game. I think Penn State, I really like the form Penn State's coming into. I think they're, they're hitting their stride mm-hmm. at the right point in the season. I'm going to say Penn State 34-10. Nittany Lions have a lot of that offensive depth, and everything's clicking right now for the most part. I think it's going to be a good game. 35-30, give me the Nittany Lions. All right, Penn State across the board here too. Next one, Wisconsin and Iowa. If you told me the Big Ten West Championship was going to be this week at the beginning of the season, I would have assumed, okay, Wisconsin-Iowa it is then. All right, I guess I can get behind that. And my second pick probably would have been Northwestern-Minnesota. Um, I was like, all right, even your Northwestern, I can get behind that. But the third pick, Purdue-Illinois, is the one we've gotten. And honestly, I can live with that. That's pretty fun. So what we've got here, Wisconsin-Iowa at Kinnick, a 330 kick. Badgers in pretty good form. I like what I'm seeing from them. And Iowa coming off a good win, too. These are two teams who have really struggled this season, both trending upward. But I prefer the way Wisconsin's playing right now, particularly after that great performance against Maryland last week at Camp Randall. I like the way they ran the ball. This feels like a more typical Wisconsin team. I I like the way that they're playing. I I just do. Jim Leonard is really cementing himself as the guy for this job. I'd be surprised if it's not him when they conduct a full search in the offseason. He really makes a lot of sense for them. I like Wisconsin winning at Kinnick. Tough place to play, of course, but I have got the Badgers 21-14 to 14 over Iowa. You know, I, I like to kind of have good reasons for what my picks are and, and give a little bit of analysis, um, but full transparency, this one's just a coin flip for me. I, it's, it's so hard to make any sense of the way these teams perform. Um, they, they both seem pretty Jekyll and Hyde, pretty unpredictable. I like the Badgers in this one, 28-21, but don't ask me why. I like that, Reed. I like that. You were talking about Patrick, about Jim Leonard, and how he can make a great fit for a Wisconsin yes. head coach. I, I think everybody here at the table agrees. He's oh, got all certainly. The makings. Defensive guy. And he's a Wisconsin guy. Wisconsin guy. Played there. Those are the two criteria, mm-hmm. really, for a Wisconsin One, two. Coach. All right. Boom. Welcome. But Here's your complimentary sweatshirt and Culver's card. Exactly. The Under, <laughs> the under Armour pullover and free butter burgers for life. But nonetheless, Kinnick Stadium, such a tough place to play. And the Hawkeyes have been trending up as well. Absolutely. This, this could be a fun one. This is a better game than it would have been three weeks ago. Absolutely. And all, I'm, I'm going to go Iowa 19, Wisconsin 13. I like the odd score there, 19. That's I, I always love having a... Um, you know, off the beaten path number in the score predictions. I feel like these these two, when they play, it's always going to be some type of score gummy esque result. <laughs> like it's always that. funky. I do like that. I'm, I'm with it. I, I get the feeling there. We, we like to call those safety games on the first and ten sometimes. Reed did, as we famously bet in the Michigan State Ohio State game a couple of years ago. Reed said there would be a safety. I said, if there's a safety, I will buy you a Michigan State sweatshirt if Michigan State got one. Michigan State got a safety at the end of the game. So he got the sweatshirt. That's probably somewhere in a closet deep in the depths of Nashville, Tennessee. That is. That's one I wear. I, I don't wear the Michigan State logo proudly. I'll wear that underneath a few layers when it snows outside <laughs> and I'm sledding. Put that underneath the big black coat. It's a thick sweatshirt. It was very nice. It, it was a great home coat sweatshirt. Yeah. You can, you can get muddy in that. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Last one of the Big Ten slate here, and we've got one out-of-conference game we're picking. Northwestern Minnesota. I don't think this is much of a game. Give me Minnesota 
my answer is that Minnesota's pretty good, all things considered. Not great, but they're pretty good. And Northwestern's bad. In yeah. normal weather, I'm not going to take Northwestern to do anything. Right. Similarly, I'm going to go Minnesota 27-10. I kind of agree with everything you had to say there. Yeah, I, I agree with both of you guys. Minnesota, they've what else is there to say? They've just kind of been back and forth, but they bounce back. I'll have them at 30-14. to 14 I like it. I like it. All right, those are our Big Ten picks this week. One more for us here on the first and ten before we wrap things up. TCU, Texas, college game day, uh, and Saturday night primetime football on ABC, both going to be in Austin for this one. I would have personally liked to see all of these things go to New Orleans for Tulane and UCF. I feel like they deserve it. They're having a great season out with the green wave, but Texas gets its second game day of the season. Texas is a favorite here, but I'm feeling TCU. I like the Horned Frogs 27-24. They keep the perfect season alive. They keep the Max Duggan Heisman hope alive. I think he can have a statement game here, potentially cement that Heisman campaign as a guy who's really deserving of an invite to New York and potentially of the trophy should this dream season continue for the Horn Frogs. I've got TCU here in a close one. You know, it may seem odd, uh, a team that's it's in the top four being a, a touchdown dog to a team that's ranked but not particularly high. Um, but I feel like I've kind of been waiting for the fall of TCU to happen all season. I, I, I still, like you, you called it a dream season, I agree, but I, I do, there's something about TCU that makes me feel like they're not built to go the distance. I think especially Texas. I love the way their offense plays under Quinn Ewers, and uh, I, I think Texas, I mean, they, they got an important win last week, but I think they're also kind of due to prove themselves a little bit more against TCU, especially night environment at home. I think there's just too many things going Texas's way. I'm going to go... Longhorns 34, Horn Frogs 27. This game has all the makings of just a gunslinging shootout right down to the wire. TCU, they're coming in. Maybe they feel a little bit disrespected. You saw the Lions yeah. at home. They take that personally. That's bulletin board material. Yeah, exactly. Texas Cut and dry. is at home, and yes. they're minus seven. But TCU, they're fourth in the country. So you look at the Horned Frogs, and you have to think, well, they're going to come out guns a-blazing right from the get-go, mm-hmm. and I think it's going to be really good down the stretch, 42-38 Horned Frogs. I like your pick there, too. Hey, if it's that close of a game and it's that competitive that late, I'm all for it. I'm, in, I'm a fan of good football. Yeah, what I mean, I'm a fan of. Of course, the three of us were big fans of Big Ten football, but who doesn't love? This is classic Big 12. Love it. I love the identity of Big 12 football in games like this. It's a shame that, you know, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving, that, that We might see a shift there, but while we still have the Big 12 as we know it, these are the type of games we love, and this is what we live for. Love some classic Big 12 shootout football. And I just want yeah. to see if TCU wins. I want to see Sonny Dykes' sweatshirt that he wears after the game. <laughs> He's got probably the best sweatshirt game among head coaches in all of college football. It'll, will it be cold enough in Austin for a sweatshirt? Well, that's the question. So maybe he might have to wear that in practice. Then. Yeah, pull it out in the in the indoor practice facility. It's, it's a mindset. Crank, it really crank up the AC. It's a sweatshirt state of mind. You gotta. Exactly. He's a hoodie guy. Well, you wear the hoodie. It doesn't matter if it's eighty degrees or if it's forty degrees. He's there a hoodie guy. Versatile. I like it. All right. That'll do it for the first and ten this week. First of all, though, Tyler, thank you for coming on and joining us this week. Where can the people find you? So they can find me on Twitter at Tyler Danberg D A N B U R G. And you can also listen to him, of course, on Scarlet and Gray Sports Radio. If you need to listen to that Indiana-Ohio State game tomorrow, you know where to go. ScarletandGraySportsRadio.com. 
give him a listen. They do a great job. I'm a frequent listener when I'm in the car and I've got to listen to a football game. I'll choose to listen to the Buckeyes because they put on a great production. I also like to listen to the women's hockey broadcast because Reed Murray puts those on, and he does a great job of that too. Reed, anything else before we go? Uh, I don't think so. No, I, I think we, we got it all covered. An exciting week of Big Ten football coming up. Absolutely an exciting week for Tyler and Reed. My name is Patrick Feltz. We will see you next time. Have a great college football Saturday, everyone, and take care. Bye.